Well, hey, good morning, Action Church. Come on, Winter Park, how are you feeling this morning? Good, good. Come on, Oviedo, how are you feeling? Come on, Sanford, how are you feeling? Come on, South, how are you feeling? It's just been an incredible day so far, and I'm sure that this 1030 service isn't going uh, to disappoint. And so I want to take just a quick second uh, and just explain what's going to happen today. We're doing something a little different today. I hope you're okay with that. Uh, a couple times a year, we do what we call three in 30. And so I want to explain what that means. We have three different communicators today that are going to be given 10 minutes each, and that totals 30 minutes, right? There it is. We keep it real simple, 3 and 30. And so we've got three female voices that are just helping lead our church right now. And we're excited about that. Uh, and so, man, really excited about that. I love that. And so I want to just explain who it is behind me here. And then I'm going to get out of the way and let them do what they prepared uh, for weeks to do today. And so first we have uh, Pastor Kaylee Drake. Pastor Kaylee Drake helped leads our, our Sanford uh, location. We have the stunning, the beautiful, the talented Kelly Altoff. <laughs> Kelly is my wife, so it's not weird. Uh, I'm just, you know, building her up. It's uh, husbands take notice what you do, uh, right? But Kelly's our events director and heavily, heavily involved with our women's night that happens once a year uh, here at the church. Uh, and then last but certainly not least, we have Pastor Ingrid here. <laughs> Pastor Ingrid is our spiritual life director. She oversees our freedom uh, curriculum, our freedom conference, which is happening this weekend. Uh, and so uh, we also, she also oversees uh, all, of our, um, all of our baptisms. And uh, it just, just does an incredible job with all of that. So Pastor Ingrid, thank you so much. We're looking forward to hearing from all three of them. And so I want your help, Winter Park. I want your help, Action Church, welcoming Pastor Kaylee to the platform. Yes. How's everybody doing today? Yes. Well, as Pastor Tyler said, my name is Kaylee Drake, and me and my husband, Nick, we are pastors over at the Sanford location. Hi, Sanford. I love you. Um, we love Sanford so much. So much fun. But me and my husband, Nick, we have been married for 14 years, and we have two kids, Miley and Jonah, 11 and 9 years old. And being their mom is one of my greatest joys. Listen, um, I <laughs> it can be full of adventure and challenge. Right, um, but in this world right now of social media, there can be pressure like no other, telling me the kind of mom that I need to be. Listen, I follow these Instagram moms that do the most extravagant birthday parties. Oh my gosh, with the most amazing themes and perfect photo backdrops, and listen, they give favors to all the kids. And I'm sorry, but I'm doing my kids a favor by throwing them a birthday party. I'm the kind of mom where I get a dollar store birthday banner and I pray that the grocery store has cupcakes that so much match the theme of the birthday party day of. Um, but as silly as all of that sounds, if I'm not careful, I could try to measure myself to the world around me and feel like I'm not good enough. Whether you're a mom, dad, student, husband, wife, business owner, it can be so easy to get trapped and like stuck at this place. If we're not careful, we can measure ourselves by the job we have, by the title we have or don't have, or the amount of times we read our Bible. We can measure ourselves by what we've done or what's been done to us. Maybe you think that you're not as smart, as capable, 
or as talented or godly as they are. It could be easy to think if we had more or knew more that we'd finally be enough. The truth is, even people who have it all still struggle with these feelings of insecurity. In fact, the Bible opens up with a woman who had everything, but it still wasn't enough. And this is good old Eve. Oh, Eve had everything that she needed. Beauty, security, significance. God had given her all the fruit to eat in the garden, but then the enemy came in with his lies. In Genesis 3, 5, it says, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. In this moment, Eve had to choose to believe God's word or Satan's word. But Satan had come and convinced her that who she was and what God had given her wasn't enough. When I was studying this story, something new came to light to me that I truly believe that God wants us to hear today. Before all of this happened, Eve was called woman, which was about who she was, created in God's image, the missing piece. It was about who she was. Then the enemy came in, convincing her of these lies. She ate of the tree. The fall of man happened. And guess what happened after that? She was given the name Eve, which means mother of all living. It became about what she did or what she could offer because she believed the lies. So since the beginning of time, the enemy has tried to come in and convince us and define us by what we do instead of who and whose we are. What? And the enemy has been getting away with these same tactics in our lives. The same tactics he used on Eve, and we are still being convinced to this day. So many of us are walking around measuring measuring ourselves by what we do, acting like Jesus didn't come and do everything for us, trying to find our identity in everything but Jesus, trying to do things in our own ability, in our strengths thinking it's about what we do or what we have done. But can I tell you something today? It is about what Jesus has done, amen? Jesus has come and changed everything for us. He died to measure up for us. We are his children, crown of his creation, holy, righteous, faultless because of the finished work of the cross. I've had the honor of leading Empower Women's Groups for almost four years now. Shout out to all my Empower ladies. Yes. Uh, These are women's small groups that meet all across our city. And when I'm sitting in these groups, leading these groups, the main theme that I hear all the time from women is, I don't feel enough. Or I don't measure up. 
And this measuring up comes from our human nature of thinking we have to do. And this actually sounds super similar to what people were asking Jesus in John 6. John 6, 28 says, they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Listen to this. Jesus isn't looking for workers who measure up. Jesus is looking for people to believe him, believe him at his word and rest in that. You know what Satan's looking for? Satan's looking for people to believe his lies, to believe his lies and to focus on the what. You know why? Because it keeps us in a constant state of striving and working And if he can wear us out, he can stop us from moving forward in the purpose that God has for our lives. Some of us are wondering why we're so exhausted, why we're so frustrated, why we're so burnt out. It's because we're believing the lie that we have to do the work instead of letting Jesus and what he has done define define us. Jesus has a remedy for this for this fatigue that I'm talking about, the inadequacies. Actually, later on in that passage in John, this is what Jesus says. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, keep coming back to me believe in me and who I've named you and I will satisfy you and out of that life with me you will overflow and bring life to others when we go to Jesus believing him and his words we reflect who our God is we reflect his goodness We reflect his strength and we reflect his power. Anyone who is thirsty, anyone who is tired, anyone who doesn't feel enough, go to Jesus and drink. Not other people, not your past, not your inadequacies, but go to Jesus and drink. He is everything we need. He is enough, so we are enough. Amen. Come on, give it up for Pastor Kaylee. Come on, I love, Kaylee, I love what you said, that, that who we are is so much more important than, than what we are or what we do. I think that that's just such a great principle. Man, don't you just love Kaylee's energy, too? I just feel like you're the most positive person I know. There, listen, I was thinking you could start like a monthly subscription service where you just get like a morning call. It's from Kaylee and it's how you start your day, right? There's, there's money in that. We can talk after service for that. That's great. Well, hey, why don't, you, uh, why don't you help me welcome our next speaker? We're just getting started today. Kelly Altoff. Have you ever had a promise not come to pass, right? Like 
Uh, you get an Amazon box that shows up at your doorstep, you open it up, you're all excited, but it was nothing like the picture that you ordered it from. Or if you're like me, you go to a restaurant and you, you order, and when your food comes, you get instant FOMO because it's not what you wanted, right? And then you don't want to eat from everyone else's, but that's not here nor there. But um, anyway, so do, have you ever had a promise, though, like that from God? Where the realities of your situation doesn't look like what he gave you in your heart? Now, I've actually been reading a lot in the Old Testament, and there's a lot of examples of this. Um, We see Sarah and Abraham, who were promised from God to have so many descendants more than they can count. Like the dust of the earth, the Bible says. Yet they find themselves childless in their 90s. Talk about your your reality not meeting up to the promise that God has given you. Or we find a a boy, Joseph, who was promised to be anointed and lead a nation, yet he finds himself in a dungeon interpreting dreams for others only to be forgotten about. Or Moses, a man who was promised to lead the Israelites to a land of milk and honey only to wander the desert for 40 years, never actually seen it for himself. Now, it's easy to read these stories and see them as characters, but these characters were real people just like you And just like me, and they had to wonder, like, God, the reality, my circumstance, this looks nothing like the promise that you've given me. And have you ever found yourself here, like, wondering, like, God, what is happening? Have you, or better yet, have you put your own expectations on God's promises, the creator of the universe? You know, I actually didn't want to talk about this today. Um, I wanted my Mother's Day message to be super uplifting and motivational. Happy Mother's Day, by the way. (laughs) Um, But God, every time I thought about the message, God would imprint the name Melissa onto my heart. And Melissa, that name might not mean much to you, but to me, it represented vulnerability. To me, Melissa represents a promise from God that did not go the way I wanted it to go. And a little backstory, Melissa, uh, she grew up down the street from me. She was uh, three and I was five when we met. Uh, in fact, her family and our family, we were best friends growing up. Her sister, or my sister, uh, my sister and Melissa, they were, they were inseparable. So it was kind of like I had two sisters in the house with me. And 10 years ago, my sister would call me up and she would let me know that Melissa was diagnosed with a rare form of lung cancer. Now, my initial response was, it's okay, because Melissa is 28 years old. She's young, she's vibrant, she's healthy, she's athletic, she has three beautiful daughters, she has her whole life in front of us, she loves Jesus, and she's never smoked a day in her life. God's got this, right? The doctor's got this, and Melissa, she's a fighter, she's got this. And as the days would go by, the prognosis for Melissa would get worse and worse, And my sister would decide to set up an email chain, which were really popular back then, um, but an email chain to give updates on Melissa. And God would tell me, no, 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 this isn't for updates. This is going to be a devotional, which is a lot like what you see in the YouVersion app, right, which is prayer, scripture, words of encouragement. And he would challenge me to write this devotional every single day. And what started as friends and family would quickly turn to about two to 300 people on this email chain. And every day, God would give me the words to write. And every day, we would believe in, we believe in God's promises, and we believed in God's love, and we believed in God's healing. 
And we believed in the miracle that we knew would come. And three months would go by, and my sister would call me up, and she would let me know that Melissa passed, that she got called to heaven. So what do you do? What do you do when the promises of God, when God's love, when God's healing doesn't go the way you thought it would go? And I'm not proud of it, but I stopped. I never wrote another prayer, another scripture, another word of encouragement to that email chain. But you know what God did? God didn't stop. See, God, he knew the bigger picture. And we put our expectations on God's promises, but that does not mean, and hear this, that does not mean that God's promises are not true and it does not mean that his promises are not real because God, he gave us Jesus. And Jesus is the bigger picture. Okay, so Jesus changes our perspective. He's, he's sovereign. He's our redeemer. He's our protector. He's faithful. And Jesus is generational. He fulfills every single promise. He fulfilled the promise of Abraham and Sarah. He fulfilled the promises of Moses. He fulfilled the promises of Joseph. He fulfilled the promises of Melissa. God, he knows that. And Melissa, she knew that. And every single time I think of Melissa, I cannot help but think of her favorite scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. That says this, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And as I read this next scripture in Romans 5, I want you to pick out those words, faith, hope, and love. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. Because of our faith. It goes on to say we can rejoice too for when we run into problems and trials, our realities, our circumstances, our situations, all these things that don't match our promises. For we know that they can help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope, this hope will not lead to disappointments. Because he knows the greater picture. God knows the greater picture. Hope is in Jesus for how, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. To sum that up, guys, through faith, God has given us hope and love. He changes our outlook and our perspective on the way we live through Jesus. And you know what? This week, this week I would write that final devotional. And I would actually like to end my time reading it to you today. When this email chain started, when the prayer warriors were called and formed to fight as one, Melissa said that her story would change people. Ten years after Melissa's passing to heaven, this statement could not be more true. But it's more than just her story. It's her life. It's her legacy. But what is a legacy? Is it how we lived? Is it how we loved? Is it the result of what we've invested and gave to others? I would say that it's all those things. But Melissa changed my perspective on legacy a bit. See, she lived a life full of joy. She lived a life full of love. She lived a life full of peace, knowing that her salvation came from the sacrifice of what Jesus did for her on the cross and in a God that promised to love her family and take care of them even after she was gone. Her life for sure left a lasting legacy. 
But her hope wasn't for us to just remember how great her life was. Her hope was the belief that her story would change people. Her legacy, it was never about her. It was always about you, about me, about us. How will we live? How will we fight for those we love? Will we be bold enough to sacrifice our selfish ways to be obedient to Christ? Will we be strong and, and courageous in our faith in God and unapologetic about it, much like Melissa? Will we love people so well that we are overflowing with joy and kindness? Will we continue to believe in God's promises, in God's love, and in God's healing, even when it doesn't go the way we thought it would go? It took me 10 years to build up the courage to write this. But every day, Melissa's story continues to change my life. Through obedience and faith in an all-powerful God, through hope of salvation in Jesus Christ, God has blessed my life with love, joy, and peace. It's not always easy. There are problems and trials, expectations. But I'm often reminded of the peace that Melissa had in her last days and the words that she would often say. We will have good days and bad days, but God is here in all days. Come on, give it up for Kelly. Man, I love, I love, what do we do when our expectations aren't met? I mean, if we've been following God for any amount of time, like a day or more, we know that we find ourselves in those moments. Just a really, a really great reminder. How do we, how do we stand in God's promises, right? Uh, listen, I think speaking of missed expectations, this is a good time to say, um, listen, your Mother's Day gift is still in transit. So uh, maybe it's time to adjust some expectations there. Uh, just going to be real in front of our friends here. You know, I think it's important to do that. Uh, but that's, that's real. Uh, so we'll work on that. Uh, when I get home after service today. Uh, hey, listen, our last, our last communicator today is Pastor Ingrid, so help me welcome Pastor Ingrid to the platform. Good morning, everyone. Hey, you know what? Nothing says Mother's Day like waking up this morning and having your kid puking everywhere, and you got to preach. So, hey, happy Mother's Day to me. Happy Mother's Day to you, and here we are. How many of you uh, remember PE class? Show of hands, PE class. Pastor Justin, proof they can participate. See, I just want you to see that. Next time we ask a question, please raise your hand. All right, how many of you remember the day that you, uh, at PE class, were gonna play dodgeball or um, kickball? And what happens? They pick two captains, thank you. They pick two captains, and then those two captains get the honor and privilege of choosing their teams. And what do they want on those teams? They want the best, thank you, the strongest, the fastest, the most athletic. And if you weren't a captain, what you didn't want was to be chosen last, right? And when I think, <laughs> were you chosen last? I'm so sorry. There'll be a prayer at the end of the service. Um, but when I think about teams and I think about choosing teams, I think about my own team in life. And I think about who I want on my team. And I want the best. I want the ones that are going to do the right things for me. So my question to you is, who's on your team? Who's on your team? Because we all need a team. We can't face life without a team. 
and who's on your team matters just as much as what they're doing when they're on your team. And there's an Old Testament story that illustrates um, the importance of your team, of your friendship, and really the impact that they can have um, when, we, uh, when we consider the battles in our life. Because, you know, they say that life is, is a game, but I don't know who they are, but they are wrong. Because what I've learned in my very short 45 years of life is that life is a battle. And there's a war that we are in, whether you acknowledge it or not, because there's a very real enemy out to get us. And so this Old Testament story paints this picture of what this looks like, the importance of our team battle that we will face. Let me set the scene for you. This is We're going to be in Exodus 17 for those of you really, really Jesus-loving ones that have Bibles or Bible apps, Exodus 17. And it says here, um, the, let me set the scene. The Israelites, um, they have been... They've, they've gotten out of Egypt. They have walked through the Red Sea. They're heading towards Mount Sinai. And if you know the story, at Mount Sinai is where they'll get, uh, Moses will receive the Ten Commandments. And they, um, they're tired. And they are thirsty. And they are hungry. Pick up the story here, Exodus 17, verse 8. And it says, while the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, that's where they had reached, that's the land they had reached, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men. In other words, he said, choose your team. And go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill, holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became tired. Of course they did. He was 86, and it was a very long battle. And so Aaron and her, such good friends, they found a stone for, for him to sit on. And then they each stood on either side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. And as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. You see, the Israelites, they reached this land and, and they're just passing through. And here come the Amalekites, man, and they're sneaky. Do you know how they, you know how they came up, what they did? They came up behind them. They came up behind the Israelites. They didn't attack from the front. They came, they looked like a sneak attack. They came up behind. But you know who's in the back of that pack? You know who's the back of the Israelite people all the way in the back? It was the children and the women and the sick. Completely unexpected, unprovoked. Isn't that just how some of our battles happen, it's like unexpected. Right. Suddenly we're, we're facing a battle and, and we don't feel prepared for it. We feel like we're the vulnerable ones. And Moses tells Joshua, choose your men. And so Joshua, I believe, because he's a military man, had a military strategy, right? But Moses, Moses had a spiritual strategy. Because Moses was going to go up on that hill because he knew who his God was. And he knew that it was his God that was going to help them win this war. It wasn't just Joshua's might. It wasn't just Joshua's man. He knew that what Joshua needed was a team behind him praying 
for him, interceding for him. And he didn't go at it alone because he knew this could go on for a while. So he brought two friends to help him, to link arms, to help hold his arms up together, praying for the victory. And some of you are in a battle. And you're tired. And you don't have anyone holding your hands up. And you're thinking, how much longer? Because I can't, I can't do this much longer. Or, or maybe you, you overcame a battle and then here comes the other one. And you're like, again? I don't, I don't get any rest. And I see in the story, I see a powerful example of how we're meant to fight every single battle. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. These are the two things that you need in order to wage war and win battles. Number one, you got to choose your team right. Battles, battles don't end in seconds, at least not the ones I study in the history, man. Some of them, they take days, hours. Some of them take years, right? And we don't know how long we're going to be in some battles in our lives. But, but Moses knew that he couldn't go at it alone. And what happened on that hill certainly had an impact on that battlefield. His intercession, his prayer, his friends holding his arms up because when they came down, the war would be lost. As they raised them up, Joshua would gain ground on that battlefield. And I'm here to ask you who's on your team. But also, is God on your team? Do you know that that's... Ultimate, it wasn't just Joshua's hands. It was Joshua believing God for the victory. And some of you don't have that team. And I remember, I remember a time in my life where I certainly wasn't on anyone's team because I certainly wasn't living in any kind of way that would put me on anyone's team like a Moses and an Aaron and a her. But you know who was for me? Because it's Mother's Day. It was my mom. And two years ago, I lost my mom. I'm not going to cry. Um, but, man, the, the power of praying, Mom. It was her powers, her, her prayers that I truly, truly believe ripped me out of the enemy's arms because I'm standing here as a former prodigal child that said no to all of this, that thought this was all a joke, that didn't believe that a God could do anything. And I was in battles that I walked into myself. And there was my mom on her knees for years and years and years. And there are moms in here today, this morning, and you're here and you're praying for that prodigal child sitting next to you. And I'm telling you, don't stop praying. And there are moms in this room who have lost a baby and you're grieving and you need some friends standing beside you, holding your hands while you get through this grieving process. And there are moms in here, your bonus moms, your stepmoms, and you're parenting someone else's child. And that could feel discouraging because maybe that child is not responding in the way that you would want. And you need friends on your team to encourage you. And there are men and women and students in this room who don't have the relationships with the moms that they wish that they had. And you need friends to help encourage you until you reach your healing. Who is on your team? Number two, choose your weapon. Choose your weapon. Because the Bible says that we can't fight this war 
like, 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 like physically like humans. So we can't fight it like the world does. In fact, 2 Corinthians says, we do live in the world. Yeah, we know that. But we do not fight in the same way that the world fights. We fight with weapons that are different, different from those from the world's weapon. Because why? Our weapons have power from God that can destroy the enemy's strong places. It is prayer. In this instance, it was prayer. It was prayer that ensured the victory. And it wasn't a quick prayer, y'all. It wasn't a quick thought. Don't tell me you're praying for me if you're just thinking about me. I need people on my team that when they're telling me they're praying for me, I have believed that they took some time and they prayed. And if I'm still in the battle, just like Moses up on the hill, they will continue to pray until the battle is won. And you'll think, you might think that, that uh, fighting a war is hard. And I do. I believe that. I wasn't in the military, clearly. But, but true prayer is hard. And true intercession is a demanding activity, and too few of us are doing that on behalf of our friends. What battles are you helping your friends win? Whose hands are you holding up? I'll tell you this. You won't be any good on that team. You won't be any good on that team without Jesus. Because you're just going to bring your own human weapons. And the enemy... He's real. And he is hell-bent on destroying your life, the life that God has planned for you. And you can't be on my team without Jesus. And I can't be on your team without Jesus. And so some of you here this morning came because you thought maybe you'll just come and make your mom happy. And then take her to lunch or brunch. Or, or you, made, you made your wife happy. You're so glad that you're here. You made your abuelita happy. Grandma's in the room. No, no, no. You're not here. It's not a coincidence that you're here. Maybe you thought you were making them happy, but I really believe that you're here because you needed to hear about this Jesus that you need on your team. This Jesus that did what you can't do. So you need Jesus on your team. Because I'll tell you this, a battle faced without the right team, a battle faced without prayer, and a battle faced without God, a Savior, it will not be won. And so some of you this morning, maybe you're here and like Pastor Kaylee said, you've been striving and you're tired. And you don't know what God has for you because you've never given your life to Jesus. Can't figure that out without him. And maybe, maybe you're here and, and you, you were about the things of God. You were all in at one time. But you prayed some prayers, and God did not answer the way you thought that he would. And you're disappointed. And you quit God because you thought that God quit you. And you walked away because you said he's not listening, he's silent. And you believed the lie from the enemy that said that God didn't care, but he does. Just like Kelly said, sometimes it just doesn't look the way that we want, but he has the big picture. Some of you are facing an unexpected battle. You didn't see it coming. Some of you are, have been in a battle for years. And you're looking around and you're wondering, who's on my team? I can't, I can't keep doing this because I am losing. And Jesus is saying, I'm here. I'm right here. Will you just pick me? Why am I last? Why am I last? Pick me. Because how is it working without me? So church, will you bow your head and close your eyes?
I believe there, there are some of you in this room this morning that, that you're ready to say, all right, Jesus, I pick you. I need you. I can't do this without you. Because Jesus did what we could not do. He lived a perfect life. He was sinless, but he experienced all the pain and the abuse and the hurt, the rejection that we would one day. And he went to the cross with you on his mind. In fact, when I think about the story of Moses up on that hill, arms outstretched, I think about Jesus, arms outstretched, and he had you on his mind. And his death and resurrection secured the victory here for you, if you have him in your, in your life, but also the victory for eternity. Because in him, you gain eternity. But you're going to have to make a decision. So there are people in this room who've never said, yes, Jesus, I want you and I need you on my team. And there are some of you who one day said, yes, just like I did. And then you walked away. And you're ready to come home. And the Bible says... And if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord, you will be saved. And so if that's you this morning, if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, will you put your hand up? If it's the first time, first time in a long time, here, Sanford, Oviedo, South Church Online, yes, amen, amen, I see you, I see you, I see you, amen, yes. First time, or first time, amen, I see you back there. First time in a long time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Will you pray this in your heart as I pray this out loud? Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Lord, I recognize that I'm a sinner saved only by your grace. And today, I choose you. I surrender my life to you and I invite you to be Lord over my life. Forgive me, Jesus, for the times I failed you, Lord. From this day forward, I ask you to have your way. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for every person in this room, Lord. Those that have said yes, Lord. Those that are also walking through things, Lord, where they need you on their side, Father God, in the name of Jesus. We ask that you move in a mighty way in their lives, Lord that what they heard today would encourage them, Lord, to believe in your power and your authority and your ability to do what they cannot do. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Church, let's celebrate all those hands, all those decisions.